welcome to the Jurassic Park 3 Minute. We'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, One Minute of Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're back to discuss Minute 32 of Jurassic Park 3. But before we get to that, David, uh, once again, our patron saint, Todd Marks, has uh, posted up a number behind-the-scenes video, uh, this time from Hammond's office slash bedroom, where he's uh, lying in bed. We get to see Sir, written at, Sir Richard Attenborough standing there in bed, sort of going over some lines and talking to Spielberg and... Mm-hmm. Being, oh, Jeff Goldblum's there as well, drinking from some water, and again, it's just sort of setting up the shot and uh, some behind the scenes there, which was great to see. It's always fun to see rehearsal footage. We discussed uh, a couple of minutes back uh, when they were doing the rehearsal for the camp, for the deleted camp setup scene, and that was really excited to see. And this is really fun to see just because, I mean, we were talking about earlier, and we were talking earlier over Facebook about you know, there's these concept sketches that you can see if you really zoom in zoom in on him and the office and there's just so much th- uh, no i'm sorry not the office the um eddie's shop and there's just so much little like set decorations that go into these sets it's great to see how much they mm. really like put into the set now this one was actually a girl's dormitory school I believe so. It's not like they could, they built the set themselves, but there's a lot of little things they kind of hang around the set that makes it feel more like Hammond. And it's really cool to see. Yeah, sadly, no no close off shot of that computer screen. <laughs> but um, no, and that sort of gets in the next little bit as well. He uh, Todd also posted up a couple of photos of him and uh, Spielberg behind the scenes and him and Goldblum um, from the set of Jurassic, uh, Lost World and he also posted up there a shot of Ian Kelly up in Eddie's office, and he's in the background as an extra in one of the shots. And uh, I got talking to him. I had a brief chat about uh, all the photos and sketches and material on the whiteboards and mm-hmm. the back wall of Eddie's office, and he said it was all related to the trip to sauna and all in, in film canon sort of stuff. And just just this morning I've been going over some Blu-ray uh, high-def images or screen caps and finding yes a lot of the stuff on the back is concept concept art they done for the rv there even seems to be a big blueprint of the front section of the rv at least it's easy to see the rest of it's a bit blurry but mm-hmm. yeah again a lot more set dressing here in the back which it could be anything <laughs> it could be you know, they don't need to be this detailed and again they're throwing all this detail in that you'll never see clearly on screen but it's there just to build the world. And there's something that I really like about this these first two movies is that Spielberg really just throws these kind of little details all over the place. And it makes you feel like this is a living, actual world. You know, it's not just a movie set. It's somebody's home or it's an actual island or it's an actual place that you would expect to actually see these kind of things. It almost, I've always thought that Eddie's shop kind of reminded me of my uncle's crane shop in the fact that it, I mean, it just had, I mean, it has the chain link fence office on the upper level of the shop and it's um, got all kinds of like little pictures related to their stuff, the crane schedule, concept art, of uh, just photographs of his cranes and stuff that he's done with his cranes. And that's what Eddie's office is like. It's got the stuff he's built. It's got the stuff. It's got family stuff. It's got personal interest stuff. It's got schedules. It's got 
stuff that makes it feel like it's a real living shop. It's not just something they filmed in. Hmm. And it's just it's just that little detail that's, that just adds so much more to it. Looking at some of that stuff in the background, <laughs> there's one image there that sort of doesn't fit, and that's sort of a, it looks like a white SS Camaro <laughs> or something on the wall there as well. But that could have been Eddie's first car. You never know. <laughs> he's he's a gearhead. But that's what that's the kind of thing I mean. I mean that's I'm sure Eddie is a gearhead. I'm sure he has a nice car at home that he likes to tinker around with in the garage in his home garage. You know, I mean he it's what makes the little things in this in these movies makes it feel real. Mm, yep. Cooper, if you see anything, yell up! No, I, I thought I'd keep it to myself! Alright, anything else on that do you want to discuss before we get into today's minute? Uh, no, I think we're good. As we're in minute 31 of Jurassic Park 3, Amanda and Paul were arguing about splitting up and some of Dr. Grant's advice that Amanda wasn't agreeing with. As we open on minute 32, the bickering between the two continue, and Amanda makes a pretty good point. But Dr. Grant's not looking for Eric, he's looking for the coast. At the 12 second mark, as Paul and Amanda continue arguing, we pan left to Billy and Nudesky. Nudesky telling Billy, if we split up, I'm going with you guys. At the 16 second mark, we cut to a dirty parasail hanging from the tree. As the camera pans down, Alan and the rest of the survivors see it too, and come closer. Paul and Amanda instantly begin yelling Eric's name. But Grant gets them to stop and says the chances that they're even still in the vicinity are remote. At the 37 second mark, Paul finds a life jacket in the grass some distance away and checks it over to reveal that it's a young adult. At the 48 second mark, Udesky finds something in the grass and yells out, Hey, guys. They all run over to his side to find a dirty video camera. Amanda says, That's my camera, and snatches it off Udesky and starts turning around in her hands. As the minute ends, she realises that the battery's dead. As we go into 32, after Paul tells Amanda what's the uh, use of hiring an expert if we don't listen to his advice, Amanda makes a pretty good point here, saying that uh, Dr. Grant isn't looking for our son, he's looking for the coast. Which, I think some of that advice is still good to know. Like, if you're walking through supposedly infested dinosaur island, even though we don't see a lot of animals in this film at all, <laughs> it's still some good advice to... Uh, to take in, even if Grant's not looking for the sun, he's looking for the coast. Mm-hmm. But Paul gives up and says, okay, go ahead and scream. And when that tricycloplots attacks you, don't come crying to me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it's sort of, it's a weird uh, a weird name to just throw out there as a mis- mispronunciation of a dinosaur. Normally, normally you'd put something in front of Saurus or Rex. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we know if that, uh, Creeposaurus comes out. Yeah, again. yeah, exactly. Yep, that's a good little bit of humour there. And Amanda sort of murmurs something under her breath, <laughs> and um, and Paul sort of what? What was that? <laughs> and she says, "Don't worry about it." And then they start to bicker and argue with each other. And that's when we get sort of pan across to Billy and Udesky walking beside each other. And Udesky tells Billy, "If we split off, I'm going for you guys." <laughs> <laughs> That'd probably be the. Uh... Smart choice. Yeah, yep. But I do love sort of this environment they're walking through as well. So again, we're in that sort of jungle. Well, it is actually, um, it is real jungle, this uh, this scene here. It's them walking down some trail on Kauai. You can see the palm, you can see a palm tree come up next to them. Hmm. Actually, 
which is funny because palm trees aren't really they're more of a coastal tree instead of, <laughs> they're not something you find in the tropical jungle there's something you find on the tropical coast yeah yeah but we uh we soon cut to a very familiar looking parachute hanging from the trees and we pan down and get to see that dinosaur uh, stenciled on it which uh we remember from the opening of the film and we start to get a bit of dramatical dramatic music picking up and uh we can see the survivors sort of running or moving quickly towards it. And again here, just with the environment, like this is a very large tree here, not redwoods unfortunately, but still like those big those big trees you see on Hawaii and that. Oh yeah, this was definitely shot on location. You can actually even see the blue sky peeking through the tops of the trees there. Mm. And a bit of a opening behind the tree as well. Mhm. And it's funny because this is actually I think a similar location to where they did the gyrosphere when the ankylosaurus is attacked by the indominus rex mm -hmm. i think it's either the same or a similar location yeah but also too just the fact like everything's covered in vines and leaves and mm -hmm. we'll see definitely um here and going in the next minute as well where it's just like all these vines have hung down from the trees and you've got the leaves growing up or the vines growing up into the trees from the ground, just creating these pillars of greenery through the jungle just to sort of, again, not give you much of a view through the jungle. You can't penetrate and look look far in the jungle. Mm -hmm. It gives an enclosed feeling. But there's also a bit of mist floating through here too. So they've got the fog machines going up to sort of give that prehistoric vibe. Yeah, it does, and they do. I mean, there's even there's a couple moments in the movie where you can actually see the source of where the fog <laughs> is coming out of. I think it's mostly noticeable at the end when they're at the beach, and you can see just plumes of fake fog coming out of from behind bushes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, as Paul and Amanda get over to the area, they instantly start yelling. Eric's name, throwing caution to the wind, <laughs> forgetting all Grant's advice, even Paul, and sort of just yelling Eric's name. But um, Grant gets him to stop and says, There's, "The chances are remote that they're even still in the vicinity." Which, again, eight weeks. The way the parachute's hanging, it's not as if it's going to be seen very easily from the sky. So hanging around the site itself, yeah, very unlikely that Eric and Ben, for the most part, are still going to be here. <laughs> And actually, I mean, if you are looking across at the, um, right after this shot there that we, where he tells them, and they're running and they're running around there, you can see that the, they're almost in kind of a clearing in a way. Mm. And so it kind of makes sense that they would have chosen this spot to kind of try to land. And the tree doesn't really look that big. I mean, I'm, it's, it's not that tall, but it's wide. And so that's probably how they were probably aiming for the clearing behind them, and they just happened to accidentally land in the tree, you know. Yeah, well, we don't we don't really know what Ben's piloting skills of the parachute would have been. At least he can control it. If it was a proper parasail, and we we discussed all this in that earlier scene, mm -hmm. a parasail, then you're just left to the wind where you're going to fall. But yeah, you do get some reverse shots here of sort of looking at the the parachute in the tree, and you can see the sun shining on the grass behind it. Mm -hmm. So again, maybe just a little bit of a misjudgment and flown into the side of the the massive um, canopy of this tree. But uh, a little bit further away, Paul finds a life jacket lying in the grass and 
sees it's a young adult size, and Amanda takes it and sort of holds it close as the two seem to come together with this recent discovery. And then over behind, we get Udesky calling out, uh, guys. And uh, as everyone moves towards Udesky, we get a good look at the uh, tree the parachute's stuck in. Udesky pulls a video camera from the grass and begins checking it over, and pretty much as soon as Amanda gets there, she tears it out of his hands and <laughs> starts trying to turn it on herself. But yeah. as the minute ends, we she says that the... Uh, Battery's flat with disappointment in her face. The camera itself, we can talk a little bit more about next minute because it, uh, they get a playing in that minute. But uh, anything else on that you want to discuss before we get into the script and novel comparisons? I don't know. I think we're good. All right. Uh, in the script, we get most of the same from the film as normal. Uh, when they see the parachute, uh, there's a very old yellow life vest hanging from a branch beside it, and that's when Paul examines it and sees it's a young adult, so different colour life vest here in a different location mm-hmm. as well. Um, when Udesky finds and lifts up the video camera, we can see it's in a waterproof shell, much like you get with sort of those earlier waterproof or underwater cameras, which would explain a lot more as to how he can get it going in the next minute. And uh, as Udesky gets the camera going, we get the dialogue between Grant and Billy about using the parachute here and not later on after the, uh, the video's played in the film itself. Mm-hmm. But in the novel, it's strange. It's sort of all this this whole scene happens in about a sentence. Uh, they find the shoot, they find the life jacket, and um, it's just mentioned that they found a camera, but it sort of veils no no clues as to what happened. So they move on, which is interesting, especially with what we get in a minute with uh, one occupant still tied to the parachute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but that's minute thirty-two, David. Anything else before we get heavy for today? Yeah, they were good. All right. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com, and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best this is how you make dinosaurs. This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. you Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now! It's the, it's the dinosaur there! Okay.